Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing at 12.30 a.m. on Monday morning because the last game went into overtime. Uh, joining me from New York City, where he attended the Knicks-Cavs game four today with producer Jackson Agello. We had um, Hoop Collective representation there today is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Yeah, it was great to see Jackson. Got him down to MSG. Saw another fun game. Knicks win. Fun day at the Garden. And joining us from Los Angeles, all the way over there, covered the Grizzlies and Lakers game three on sat on uh, Saturday, and had an interesting uh, chat with Dylan Brooks today. At uh, I guess yesterday. Well, I guess it's still today for you. Uh, it's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Um, guys, we almost had two historic bleep-ups today that would have been that would have been infamy that would have been mm. attached to this one. Uh, Steph Curry, as great as that game was, the Warriors and Kings, Steph Curry with as big of a bonehead play as he's probably made in his life. Chris Webber he ca- calls timeout and it leads to a four point possession in what was it a five point game at that time a timeout they didn't have I should say it's five point game calls a timeout they don't have wow um anyway and then tonight if you didn't stay up and I don't blame you <laughs> with two minutes and forty seconds left in this game tonight in Minnesota the Nuggets were done it was game five was already scheduled. You know, everybody's probably making travel reservations in the uh, traveling party. It's a 12-point game, home team ahead, celebrating in Minnesota. They're going to at least get a playoff win in front of their fans. And then over about two minutes and 15 seconds of game time, the Nuggets go on a 12-0 run. And it was only a 12-0 run because Nicole Jokic missed one or two free throws after a horrendous foul by Carl Towns. It should have ended their season. (laughs) That's right. He missed two free throws. What was there, five seconds left? Well, he went Um, one for two. I'm sorry, sorry, he missed one. down one and he got fouled. They went one for two. Right. He could have ended it there. And then the the Wolves were up seven in overtime and almost blew that. But then finally, Ant Edwards hit a clutch three that won the game. And, like, I'm not saying that those would be on par. But if after this Wolf season, which is going to end shortly one uh, way or the other, they would have gone out by giving up a 13-0 run in the last two minutes at home. The crowd, I've never heard a playoff crowd so quiet. It was it, the, 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 the building might as well have been empty because the only thing you could hear was the Wolf howling low um, sound drop that they were playing. You know, the whole building was dead silent. And you just hear, ooh. ooh. The <laughs> building like, might as well have been as empty as Carl Anthony Towns' stat line. Listen, man, I'll say this. Obviously, massive bonehead situation with uh with Steph Curry. And then honestly, like the last shot that he put up with 12 seconds left and plenty of time. That's right. Terrible. terrible she went terrible way shot. too early. I mean, they were up by just, a point and he took a two pointer with 12 seconds left. I, it doesn't yeah, help him if he makes it. Was it strange. Really. And he after the game, he basically admitted like, wow, that timeout was dumb, but said he was fine with the shot, which I'm like, that was dumb, too. Bizarre to see a guy with you know that experience and that pedigree, that resume, have such a horrific last forty something seconds. Kind of sadly ironic that the Warriors were actually saved by Harrison Barnes 
That's missing right. A, a, not a not a wide open three, but a decent look. They've definitely forced the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands wise with the game on the line. And Barnes missed an open look. And then I saw after the game said basically, you know, I can bounce back from this after I kind of put myself <laughs> together after 2016, which is, geez, there's a lot. To that was there. what was a pretty fascinating interview he gave where he was like, this is bad, but nothing like 2016. I don't there's remember a, what the stat line was, but he basically didn't make a shot for the last three years. Like I mean, like didn't make a shot from three point range during the finals. And then, you know, they, there was the, obviously they were recruiting KD the whole time and they basically dumped him. He went to the Mavericks, but not before playing in the Olympics for team USA is like the 12th man where they have Draymond and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and, and coach K was coaching him, which he's a Carolina guy. There was a lot there. Anyways, Steph's got like infamy is a bit strong with Steph just because you know what it would have been like one blip in a ridiculous. Well, yeah. well no, 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 no. This could have potentially ended their whole deal. This could have, I mean, it could have been, like, right. put the epitaph on the whole thing. Like that's why it had a chance to be such a crazy thing. It would have gone down three one going to Sacramento. Could have been over on Tuesday. Okay, that's fair. Um, the or wolves, though, the, the wolves managed to be a punchline even when they fart out a playoff win. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me, dude? Carl Anthony Towns, the greatest, self, well, you know, what we call him, Spigs Mode, proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time. Well, boys, in the playoffs, it changes. He's the greatest shrinking big man of all time. In the playoffs. And why were they able to put this one away? Because Carl Anthony Towns fouled out in overtime. I mean, come on. He was 0 of 2 on threes tonight. <laughs> Dude, he took nine shots in the game. Aaron Gordon, like the, the Aaron Gordon's been eating his lunch. Um, and the, you know, I can't I can't leave like obviously the Gobert deal's been just a total disaster. And Bond Timps, you you uh, texted in the group chat like how fitting because it was end of regulation where it looked like the the nuggets were about to pull this thing off when gordon swatted uh well he, he stoned rudy at the rim and then carl committed this foul at the other end it was like their whole season was going to go away yeah, with the, and, those and two guys making fitting, plays how fitting would it be if, if the wolves season ended based with with gobert getting stoned at the rim by gordon and like you talk about a great trade for Gordon where they gave up a pick and a god awful trade for Gobert where they gave up essentially five first rounders and some role players. Oh boy. Well, they gave but, away uh, RJ Hampton, who's and the same guy who's gone. Both, and yeah. the same guy made both trades. Wild. Wow. Although um, I'll say that, this. That's that's a I mean, that's crazy. I Tim Connolly. Well, I I I'm not, man, I don't want to say too much. Let's go on. How about how about poor Kyle Anderson getting knocked out again by a teammate? This time inadvertently got blasted in the face yeah, got hit uh, in a friendly fire thing by Ann Edwards. Just that was a and, a, and right. stepped up and made some big shots, though. We he gotta did. say that. He did. And it was look, accidental. They, he hit him when the they face, blow this thing up, they're gonna try to rebuild around him. Blow it they up. Should. They don't blow it up. You don't have any picks. Well, uh, anyway, brother, Jokic had 43. They need to blow it up and get some picks. Jokic had 43 and 26 shots. Um, okay. Uh, but I, Jokic you know, was they managed to do all that was a minus 14, which is hard to do. The, what's the crazy thing in this series is that 
the the Nuggets have been very impressive, very, I don't know about impressive. They've been very successful with Jokic off the floor, which famously all year long, they were the best team net rating wise with him on and the worst team with him off. So that hasn't followed through in this series, which will now go to game five in Denver. Um, but I do want to focus on the, um, the game in San Francisco. I mean, what a high level game. Talk about haymakers flying back and forth. I felt bad for you, Bontemps, because you were having to work. Me and, too. Uh, Feel able. bad for me. I had to go to Grizzlies practice and listen to Dylan Brooks blame the media for people thinking that he talks all a right, lot. All right. We're going to get to you. Relax. I just Relax. want some damn sympathy. Get your violence out for me. I was listening <laughs> to the villain slash victim. I don't need any I sympathy. Just, I, I had a great day hanging out at the garden today with the laugh track. It was a good day. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in a minute. What about but, Jackson? Um, you didn't like hanging out with him? Well, I got to hang out with Jackson before and after the game, but during the game, I was hanging out with the track. Back so. to San Francisco. When did he take the wheel? Why do you let things get out of control? <laughs> I was anyway, answering your I'm, question. <laughs> yeah. All right. Settle down. It's after midnight. Um, okay. So this was just absolute haymaker time. Um, and I have to say, Draymond Green, very confounding player. We've known for Draymond, a by the way, Draymond's got his own podcast out tonight where he talked about his uh his benching. Uh sure the Warriors are thrilled about that. Benching strong, benching strong. No, he started the second half. I'm just gonna say the guy he made 31 like, minutes. He also missed uh 11 shots. Um, the guy made three or four absolutely spectacular defensive plays. I don't know if I want to go so far as to say that he, that he won them the game, but the Draymond Green experience was summed up in the last three days. And on the last play of the game, one of the things that we have seen repeatedly throughout this season, but it's early in the series is De'Aaron Fox's ability to just get where he wanted to go under pressure. And he always wants to go to that left elbow. Every time. Because he's left-handed. Uh, although he's effective at going to his right, obviously. He's an, he's an NBA point guard. But, but all those clutch uh, shots are at that left. He gets to that left elbow and pulls right. off. And Draymond Green <laughs> decided, you know, in addition to just making just an absolute man's block on Dematis Sabonis about mm-hmm. a minute earlier in the gameplay, um, he just he went and stood at that elbow in the last possession um, with the Warriors up by a point. And it was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but De'Aaron Fox is not going to make a shot from this spot right here. Well, and one thing he knew was that help was going to come as well, right? Like, not only was De'Aaron Fox not going to make a shot there, but they were going to make sure that if De'Aaron Fox took a shot, it was going to be an incredibly difficult one because they were going to send another defender on him. And, hey, smart. Like, the guy just won the Cajones Factor Jerry West Award. Like you, yep. you got to make somebody else beat you in that situation. And Harrison Barnes wasn't able to do it. Yeah. Him and staff both after the game said, all we were going to do on that play was live with anybody else mm-hmm. shooting the ball. And like, you can't blame him. I and you mentioned that block he had, Brian play was even more incredible than that was, I think a couple of possessions before Sacramento was on a fast break. So bonus is coming down the mm-hmm. lane and Draymond not only stole the ball, like was able to steal the ball from Sabonis without fouling him, poked it away and got it back for Golden State going the other way. Like just an unbelievable. He he was play. completely out of position in so much that he Sabonis had him on his back. Yep. And he's smaller than Sabonis. So mm-hmm. 
Sabonis had the reach advantage with able to control the ball, and he was able to get his hand on it twice. Once to poke it away, the second time to sort of correct it's just, it's just unbelievable. And then on that on that Sabonis block, he made two defensive plays back-to-back there, and then he stood over Sabonis and just looked at him. Which again is a Draymond experience. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, which which again was a Draymond who already had picked up a technical foul earlier well, in the game and just kind of basically saying, "I dare you to toss me for for I mean, for this." There's a reason why through all the things that have happened, Golden State continues to put up with everything that comes with the guy because when it comes down to winner. winning time, he wins. Yeah, and they and, win, and like he's a guy who can go three of fourteen from the floor and still play an awesome game. Yep. I mean, he was he was a like he had some phenomenal distributing down the stretch as well. Uh, Ten rebounds uh, was obviously a beast defensively. I mean, he's a he's a four time champ. Like he's a hall he's a first ballot Hall of Famer despite being a guy who's ha- who's had a broken jump shot pretty much his whole career. He had a broken layup shot today, but I'm going to say the Warriors absolutely hit it wasn't uh you know like a two-ton you know fi- you know fist to the face that we've seen the warriors do over the years but they played awesome they shot 50 percent from the field they shot 40 percent on threes mm-hmm. and they could not shake the kings they came back and came back and came back i mean from ten thousand feet on this on this series in game one Wiggins missed an open look that was rushed that right. would have won the Warriors the game. In game four, Barnes missed an open look that was rushed that would have won um, the Kings the game. And then they split the other two games. It is that narrow that you know you could make the argument that had everything gone perfect, um, it could be Golden State uh, up in this series 3-1 or even have won the whole thing. Um, or you could make the same argument that the Kings could have won all four games. That's a definition of a great series. But my takeaway from it is the way that the Kings, who's never done this before, handled the absolute torture chamber that that game was today. I mean, Mm -hmm. all these guys from the Warriors were hot. Clay was uh, flamethrowing. Jordan Poole was hot. Wiggins was making shots. Obviously, Steph, who hit 5 of 11 three-pointers. I mean, like, Looney was doing his beasting it. thing, 14 rebounds, six assists, just, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, the crowd there was crazy. I mean, they were, you know, they knew if they lost, they were probably smoked. And so they played like it, and the Kings just handled it, and they really could have won. And so, like, um, this is one of those series. I think I mentioned this to Bontemps the other day. I, this is one of those series where, if this was a different time and place, like I feel like this way about the Cavs series, um, the Cavs uh, Knicks series, whoever I think won the the Cavs Knicks game today, I think would win the series. And I've felt that way about, I felt that way last year in the finals when it was two one mm-hmm. uh, Boston um, in it was game four. I felt whoever was going to, whoever won game four was going to win the series and stuff dropped 40. Another game where the Warriors hit a bunch of haymakers down the stretch and pulled it out at the buzzer. Exactly. And so I don't feel that way about this series. I have no idea which way this is going to go. And that's me complimenting the Kings. Yeah, the Warriors also actually have to win a game on the road, which they have proven is extremely difficult for this 
edition of the Golden State Warriors for some bizarre reason. Um, A couple other interesting things here. Steve Kerr got tight with that rotation, boys. Uh, You know, obviously Draymond comes off the bench. They had, they basically played a six and change man rotation. Dante DiVincenzo played 16 minutes. And look, Kaminga, Pat Riley. I know. Pat Riley, when the chips are on the line, Mm -hmm. you play eight and trust seven. And he played seven and trusted six. (laughs) Kaminga, he three minutes, pulled the plug on him. Moses Moody, five minutes. Like this whole uh, two timeline thing, obviously that kind of got blown up. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) But like, forget about that. Like, We'll we'll worry about that next timeline when it's time. Uh, Gary Payton, I don't know how he's feeling coming off the illness. He only played seven minutes. That that that's interesting. Uh, the other thing that was I I think might be pretty damn significant. Keegan Murray really struggled the first three games of this series. Obviously had a really nice rookie year. He'll be a first team all rookie uh, guy. Uh, first three games of the series though looked like a rattled rookie. He had a whopping total of three buckets in the first three games. He he was knocking them down today. Nine of thirteen from the floor, five of seven from three point range, twenty three points. You know, maybe this guy is going to go back to Sacramento and and feel like, okay, hey, I belong in the playoffs. Like this is, I can I can going home playoffs. Mm-hmm. More hoop collective podcast after this. Baseball is back. Get your ballpark on with tickets from Vivid Seats or. Enjoy hockey and basketball in all their glory with courtside seats. Whoever you're rooting for, there's nothing like the thrill of seeing your favorite team live. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. And he credited Mike Brown for, you know, staying with him and, you know, giving him words of encouragement and, you know, helping him through it. And Mike, by the way, who, uh, you know, his longtime position as a head coach, and I know that this is a cliche, but he's a big believer in, you know, no excuses. We don't go up there and whine. Um, not that he hasn't, you know, complained about officiating occasionally, but within a playoff series, he's kind of a no excuse guy. He went up there after the game today and said, our guys got to stop searching for fouls and thinking that the referees are going to bail them out. Mm. We've ruined a bunch of possessions with that today. And these are the champs. You got to knock them out. You're not going to get by them by getting friendly whistles. And I was like, that's a, I was like, that's a man who's, who, um, you know, is still challenging this team. It was very impressive yeah. the way he handled this loss. 
I'm sorry. I mean, Bob, look, I'm... no, I was just going to say, I mean, to me, win or lose in this series, to me, what this, uh, like you said before, 10,000 feet view of this series, to me, the, the thing I'm taking away from the series one way or the other is that the Kings are legit. Yeah, We spent all season, everybody, you know, even in the weeks leading up to the, the playoffs, right? Everybody was talking, about, oh, you want to play Sacramento. You want to play Sacramento. You want to get them. You don't want to play Memphis. You don't want to get Phoenix. You don't want to get any of these other teams. And the Warriors played well in those two games in Sacramento, and they just got beat because the Kings played great. And the Kings today were going toe-to-toe with them on their home court, and all these legendary players are coming at them with everything they had, and they still almost won Yeah, in San Francisco. Like, even if the Kings, like, I think Golden State's going to win game five. I think they're going to win game six. I thought Sacramento let them off the bat in game three. I thought they were going to come back and win the next four. We'll see if they do. What, whatever happens over the re- final three games of this series, to me, going into the next season with the way De'Aaron Fox has played, the way Keegan Murray has played, with what Mike Brown has done with this team, I look at the Kings as a legitimate team going forward mm-hmm. in the West, and I think win or lose this series, they've proven that. And if they do find a way to win two of these next three games and beat Golden State, then whoever gets them next, whether it's Lakers or Memphis and anybody beyond that, I don't think should be looking at it as like, oh man, we got Sacramento. Like this is going to be, this is the series we want. Like they have been able to play super fast in the playoffs. What people don't think you can do. Fox has been unbelievable in this series. Has gone toe to toe with Steph. Like I just, they've just passed every test in this series. It's been really, it's been an awesome series to watch, and it's just been really impressive to see them step up in a huge spot and just deliver over and over again. It's been but, great. But the urine-soaked wet blanket says the beam will not be lit again this season. God, <laughs> Timps. This is why, I'm not kidding you, I was at dinner tonight, a friendly Canadian who's visiting L.A. on business, named Alex, comes up and told me he's a fan of the pod, despite a disdain for Bon Temps. I think a lot well, of folks can relate to that. Well, I have to bon say, Temps is, Bon, bon Temps is despised in Bon Temps grew up borders. very close to Canada. He, he's practically Canadian, but his sensibility is not Canadian. I'm not surprised that Canadians wouldn't necessarily. You know, he's got a definite Eastern seaboard mentality. And Americans don't like him either. <laughs> I got plenty of fans in Toronto. Lovely, lovely city. One of my favorite cities in the world. It is a spectacular city, and I miss it. Um, looking for a new coach. We'll talk about that at some point, but we got too much on it today. I, I, I think they found their new coach. Let's well, <laughs> let's see. Um, all right. Topic Speaking for another of day. Eastern Seaboard. So I, I'm very happy to see the Sacramento fans get to enjoy this because and and the, and the pressure they felt today, and probably the the gutting feeling that they had losing that bitter game. Like this is what you're a fan of your NBA team for is to go through days like this. You know, Sunday afternoon you know, gathered with friends and family, probably living and dying for like two and a half straight hours. And I felt it was just great to see the Knicks fans celebrate today their terrific win to go up 3-1 on the Cavs. They have won, what is it, Bontemps, two playoff series in 20 years? They have won one playoff series in 20 years. This this would be the second. This would be the second. If they win this series, I mean, just the well, you tell me about the atmosphere at the garden today. Well, look, the last three days, like I talked to Jeff Van Gundy before the game today, 
Now, Jeff Van Gundy coached the Knicks in the Name NBA problem. Finals in 1999. There's a reason I'm talking. I'm saying that, big man. I said to him that was a pretty great environment the other night. Probably the best that's been in here since 99. And Jeff said it was better than the finals games. That's how much juice there was in the building on Friday night. That's I'm not sure they are for a winner, right? It's, I mean, and yes. And you like people have mocked the fans for the way they're like literally shutting down seven app seventh Avenue after these games, like the, the Nick fan base is insane. And they are like the Kings fans have spent decades in the wilderness waiting for a truly great team that they haven't had since the nineties. Except whenever, for unlike the Kings fans, they had massive expectations the whole time. Because how could you not freaking well, get like regions to New York? Well, I right. know, and they've and they've botched it over and over and over again. But whatever this team does, get a superstar player, a true top five ish player oh, to oh, come wait, play on, on their hold team. On, hold on, Jalen Brunson ain't that guy. Well, Jalen, we're gonna get Jalen Brunson in a second. But when they get that guy, the franchise changing guy that they need to go up another level, like. Yeah. Whoever ends up being that player, they are going to be lifted up to godlike status here because you you see how much one or two playoff wins in the first round mean. God mm-hmm. forbid if this team ever got to the conference finals or the finals, this whole city would shut down. But you look at that game on Friday in particular, the Cavs completely melted in yeah. that environment. Like they just, they'd never see, like they just, you couldn't experience anything like that until you went through it. They did a little better today with it, but I mean, the Knicks won these two games for a variety of reasons, but most of it was down to just pure energy and hustle and outworking the Cavs. And a lot of that comes from the fact that they were lifted up for two games by this fan base at the garden, which was just awesome. I think a lot of it's also poise. And yes, Jalen Brunson is just the coolest, calmest, you know, boring as hell quote, but like you want that dude on the floor. He's he's once again, he's once again, pretty clearly outplaying Donovan Mitchell in a playoff series, just like he did a year ago in the first round, different uniforms with second straight year. It is so like, forget the whole thing about the Mavericks losing them and bungling that whole situation. Two years ago, this dude was benched for Trey Burke in a game seven. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, and he is just, I mean, he, he's just controlling this series just like he did the first round last year. And, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, because obviously we got the first round of the playoffs. We've got plenty to talk about now. But, boy, are the Knicks primely positioned for the next star who wants out. Like, how could the Knicks not be at the top of the list, given their ability to to put a package together that makes sense and, like, Dude, as you said, you you put a All NBA. I'm going to say another All NBA caliber player because Brunson is one, and despite Randall's struggles, he's been an All NBA player. But you put like a face of the franchise type guy on that team, they got a chance. Now, all that being said, these two games, the these were winnable games for the Cavs. The Knicks did not play very well in either one of these games. Julius Randle has been a disaster since the first half of game one. He's shooting 25% from the field and from three since then. Mm -hmm. He got benched in the fourth quarter today. Emmanuel quickly did not make a shot today, did not make a shot in game one. 
Like if you told me that quickly was basically a non-factor and Randall had been a disaster, I thought I would have right. said this might've been a sweep. And instead the Knicks are up three to one and um, the Cavs have just between Darius Garland and game three and Donovan Mitchell today, those guys did not show up. And Mitchell Robinson has just dominated mm. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Oh, like, wait, wait. I was going to ask about the Jared Allen MVP campaign that uh, Senor Windhorse was running earlier. This <laughs> well, Jared Allen has moved around these last couple of games for the most part, not maybe every second for the most part, like, uh, like he's been in a, in a haze and the Cavs are averaging. And I know that it's not just points per game. That doesn't, mean as much anything yeah but they're averaging 94 points per game in this series that is with those two guards that's crazy well the thing is the Cavs came into this series they're 23 and one um when they hold opponents under 100 points Mm -hmm. not that that's the be-all end-all but it's a good indication that they win a lot of games with defense and when their defense is clicking the one um, time they lost they lost to the Knicks. It mm. was to the Knicks. That's true. That's relevant. So in this series, like if I if I presented these stats to J.D. Bickerstaff a week ago, and they go, hey, listen, on the first four games, the Knicks are going to shoot 42%. Mm-hmm. They're going to average 98 points. He'd be uh, like, well, or did we close them out in four, or are we just in great position right. to close them out in five? Right. Um, but, the ca- but the Knicks have just absolutely roughed up um, they've bullied and them. intimidated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've bullied. Got... They've bullied the Cavs off the court. I mean, they just bullied Mitchell them off the court Robinson has been a physically overwhelming force. Like the Cavs, one of the few teams that's still going too bigs, but they're too thins too. Uh, and Mitchell Robinson is just muscle on these guys. Well, look in game two, the game the Knicks lost. Mitchell Robinson played twenty-one minutes. He had two points. He had five rebounds. And the last two games, he's been a monster. Been, they clearly got into him after that game. It's totally, totally changed the series. And also, the one game that they, uh, the one game they lost in the series was the one game Josh Hart was hobbling around on a sprained ankle, and he has been a monster in these games too. Like those hey, two guys a, have just carried them. I got a question: If Leon Rose wins Executive of the Year, will he hold a press conference? probably not no i can promise you the answer is no i I tell you what though like what a year he's had pulling off the whole brunson thing and obviously no one's talking about oh that contract's too much give me a break it's a bargain um uh mitch robinson's deal looks like a a really smart investment josh hart we've talked about before one of the biggest impact trade deadline acquisitions uh in the league and and you know certainly Think the Knicks are okay giving up the twenty third pick in the draft this year for Josh Hart? Think they feel okay about that? Yeah, it's not it's not getting KD, but (laughs) the price wasn't the same either. That's Um, right. And he's been, I mean, he's been a perfect fit for them. The Knicks are just the definition, just the definition of a Tibbs player. Like, like him and And, him and him and Jalen Brunson, the Villanova guys. Like, they're just this is like the ultimate Tibbs team. He's, I mean, he'll never. He'll never show how happy he is, but he's got to be just the happiest guy coaching the Knicks team. He grew up rooting for with all these lunch pail, you know, 
built from the nineties kind of guys on the team. Like, you know, it's, it's the ultimate Tibbs team all the way around. Well, that's the thing. The Cavs are built like a nineties team. They play two you know. bigs. They play three guys who do generally can't shoot and they try to hold people below a hundred points. That's kind of their game. Well, does Jackson just laid out three of the, three of the five lowest scoring games for the Cavs this God. season, including the single lowest scoring game of any team this season, Oof. Friday night have been at MSG against the Knicks this year. Right. So here's the situation with the Cavs. The Cavs are defending reasonably well. You can find things that they're not doing well, but they are getting killed on the offensive glass, which is part of, of, of defense. I understand. But if you take away the second chance points, the Cavs are doing great uh, defensively. And you points know, off playing, turnovers, right? Yeah, they're they're doing uh, what they need to do defensively. Um, they are a team that has heavy relying on their two star guards mm-hmm. to score. And uh, in game three, Darius Garland was awful. He was four of twenty one shooting, and he was better, much better uh, in game four. But Donovan Mitchell was horrible, horrible. Uh, five of 18 shooting, uh, two points in the second half. And I think the bucket was a not, it was not an, yeah, he missed, his, missed his first eight shots and he made a runner with about two fifteen to go when they were already down eight or 10. He's not going to be rejoining those Knicks fans group chats from his childhood <laughs> buddies. Yeah. He, uh, he said before that he's, he's, you know, he's from the greater New York city area and he, uh, <laughs> he said he, he, Told it. What was the quote? He told him to kiss his backside or something. Nice. I didn't chest. see it. Don't come along those lines. Oh, Bomb Timps is Bomb Timps. He's like LeBron. He's not here for the BS. Well, well no, Nick, Nick was Nick was there. He wrote about it. I just didn't. I didn't see exactly what he said. But I he told Court about all that stuff. Talk about uh, playing eight and trusting seven. Um. Well, J.B. Bickerstaff trusts four guys and is just playing, <laughs> rolling the roulette wheel to try guys. Hey. He plays Isaac Okoro. He plays Karis LaVert. He plays Chetty Osmond. He, He's he not, doesn't like any of them. It's like Monty Williams. You know, trust four, got to play five. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he that's exactly saying that, what but it is. Tory Craig is kicking Tory the Craig has been tail. good. You're right. Hey, don't no. listen. <laughs> let me make, let me get my jokes off. Don't. Get all factual on me. If Tory Craig was <laughs> playing that well, they wouldn't be playing Kevin Durant and Devin Booker 87 minutes combined every game. Well, they have to well, play five guys at a time. It's an NBA rule. That's right. That's, that is the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. 
anyway, so from the Cavs situation, um, I, the Knicks players are are tripping over themselves, running away from the guys who they're playing at three, whether it's Azka Koro yeah. or Karis Levert. Karis Levert has had, you know, one really good game in the series, one okay game, and two games where he just hasn't really helped. And his backup is a Koro who like I, I think if he made 15 straight threes, I'm not sure they would guard him. They, they just right. nobody wants I mean they wouldn't they, they 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 would not guard him. They would just let him keep doing it. And have, um, having a non-shooter on the floor, it, it can just kill you. Like you can just kill a playoff series. Well, and, and it's always, and it's on top of it's on top of the fact that they're playing Mobley, who doesn't really shoot, and Allen, yeah. who doesn't shoot at all. So, like, there's just the the pain the is really clogged up. Right, right. Yeah, as much as like you can say, well, Garland and Mitchell struck. Like, dude, they're they're in a really challenging situation. It's because the spacing's so junky. I. They've made 13 threes combined. The two the two games in New York over the weekend, the Cavs made 13 threes combined. Yeah. And look, this is why the Cavs were trying to get a shooter. Like they knew this was going to be a massive problem in the playoffs. They were sniffing around for shooters. They they it didn't end up happening. Well, they have nothing to trade. Right. Wendy, do you do you think Alan Mobley is a is a long-term fit, or do you think that they're going to have to try to bump Mobley up to the five and and move uh, Allen. I think just they're going to be, I I think they're hamstrung on improving their roster because they traded away everything they can trade. Yep. And um, not only that, but now they have, um, now they have the secondary uh, apron rule, which, you know, they may have to dodge that if they can, because it just limits how they can build the team. Not that they need to save Dan Gilbert money. They got plenty. Gilbert's one of the richest men in the world. Right. People spend money, but it limits what they can do to the team. Um, you know, for example, they've pretty much put themselves in position where they have to resign Karis Levert. They have to, because yeah. if he walks out the door and they he replace. comes off your books, they have no p- functional way of, of signing someone to replace them or having someone that they can trade. You having something on their roster that they can trade. Um, but you know, the way the team is built, the team is built for Garland and Mitchell to dominate. And by the way, they do most of the time, right? They did for six months. But the problem is, is that when they have an off playoff game, which, you know, neither one of them um, are Michael Jordan or LeBron James. So they're going to have off playoff games. Yep. They have a small margin for error on a good day. One mm-hmm. of them has a bad day. It's unsurvivable. And it's well, unsurvivable against this next team who, by the way, has beaten, they beat them three out of four in the regular season. They beat them three out of four in this series. They, yeah, it's we'll a go good back, matchup for the Knicks. Well, go back to the, go back to the, it's a, a random thing to go back to, but when Donovan Mitchell and Kemba Walker were the leading scorers on that FIBA World Cup team that you covered, I think in 2019, it's very hard to win if your lead scorers are 6-2 guards. And that's what the Cavs are built around. Like, there's a reason all these teams are built around dynamic wing players, right? Like it's hard to win if your best players are at the very high end of the scale or the very low end of the scale size-wise and the Cavs are built at both ends. And to get to your question, McMahon, like I think the problem that a team like the Cavs has with what do you want to try to do with Jared Allen trade? Jared Allen's a really good player and that team is built where they need those guys to to be the back line behind those guards who are not exactly great defensive players. Right. But like, let's say you want to trade Jared Allen. The market for centers is not exactly 
overflowing yeah, around the, the league. The market for the market for the traditional rim running center is certainly deflated. I mean, there's teams that want them, um, but it's not like but you're probably not get, you're probably not getting equal value back for the player he is yeah, you, because there's probably just not, not the same value. You're probably not going to get five first round picks for a for a <laughs> uh, rim running center. <laughs> At least not this summer. Probably probably not. <laughs> um you know, but we all going in the season, we all thought that the Cavs ceiling was going to be determined really by Evan Mobley's offensive development, right? And there are some things that he's improved on, but the one thing, like the biggest key, I think, to determining the ceiling of the Cavs is like, can they have def- decent space with him playing the four? And his three point shooting's gotten worse. Like it, it went from 25% to 21 and change, and he's attempted one three in this series. Like it, right. he's a complete non factor as a shooter. He's played okay in the series, he's been intimidated and looked at times like he's uncomfortable not mm. unusual for a 21 year old right or not rookie 21 year old playoff year old. yeah um he has not been a culprit he should be well ho- no, no, better, no 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 he's been a culprit there that he's getting thoroughly out he got thoroughly outplayed in these games by the Knicks. well part of the reason players. why julius Randle has not been very good is because mobley has Yes, Julius Julius has played badly and Evans played solid defense on him. They're getting obliterated on the boards. Like that's yeah. that's Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like well, and, they're and honestly they're the, getting the, beaten up. The other question is like if I'm saying, hey, do do they need to go with one big and play kind of the more modern style, like retrofit this roster to play a more modern, you know, spacing type of style? Like, can Evan Mobley play the five? For thirty-five minutes a night, is 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 he capable of that? At, at uh, you know, with that frame at, at this stage of his career, I don't know. I think these well, are things they're going to have to consider, though. Well, for all the as we're kind of doing an obit for the Cavs here, I will just say <laughs> the uh, you know, I talked to people with the Cavs about it after the game today. Like they did not play; they played horrendously in Game Three. They played pretty badly in Game Four. And like even today, like the Knicks did not play well in either one of these games. Like these were winnable games for the Cavs that they did not play anywhere near well enough to win. But like if Cleveland goes home and wins game five, it's not like they're going to come back here. And I'm going to say they have no chance to win a game at the Garden. Like if they have a good game, they're capable of beating this Knicks team. Like they're not this Knicks team isn't going to put up 140 points and like put them away like the Knicks, the Knicks. The Knicks had chances to do that in the first half today and didn't, and the game was tied in the third quarter for the second game in a row. When so, did, yeah. but uh, even if the even if the Cavs pull off some miracle here and win three in a row, it doesn't change the fact that the, right. that this is exposed or at least highlight sure. the issues that they have. Does your for Cleveland sure. radio deal run out uh, when the when the Cavs <laughs> get bounced, or do you still keep cashing those checks? I, I, I believe it runs through July. All right, good good deal, good deal. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, so we have a speaking little, of tough guys, but okay, McMahon. What his maybe he doesn't endorse the nickname, but dude, he probably does. His Dylan teammates Brooks's call nickname. him Dylan the villain. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? All right. First off, I've never <laughs> seen a a uh, 
a, a tweet get more attention from a guy saying he's not going to he's not going to speak as your tweet last night um i ain't talking saturday saturday night listen here's a deal which was which never, was what which was dylan brooks saying i'm not talking saying i ain't talking uh he told other reporters i'm good i feel like i got the best quote out of him <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> i am never ever ever going to tell an nba player to shut his yapper you got that right because the e and espn is entertainment and uh i like staying employed so <laughs> i am all for him just yip yap blippity blap but let's not act like the media had to poke and prod oh dude the the way to get oh, dylan brooks he, to he pop was poking off he easily, was poking on his own he said that's right himself. He, 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 he was wearing sunglasses that you couldn't see through with was, a jacket with no shirt on and a yeah. giant db chain saying i'm a poke bear that guy lebron james he's not as good as he used to be like yes yeah. obviously yeah. he was he, doing that he's old um, and like Dylan has, he's picked fights with LeBron. He's picked fights with Draymond Green. Of course. He picked, he picked fights, a fight with Donovan Mitchell, a literal fight. By the way, I found out today, I don't know how I missed this during the season, but uh, Drew Hill from the Daily Memphian actually reported this. Remember when the Grizzly security guard tackled Dylan to break that up? It was an that incredible fight. tackle. He broke yes. his ribs. He broke his ribs. The oh security guard God. broke his ribs. Oh yeah, I remember. I yeah, I remember that at the time. I yeah. missed that. But anyways, that's neither wow. here nor there. Um, <laughs> He's villains with the refs. He got suspended for two games for technical fouls. But yeah, plus the game for hitting uh, hitting Donovan the cojones. Which honestly, I was a little surprised that they didn't suspend him for this. I I don't necessarily think he meant to hit LeBron. In the nuts, Dylan definitely said he did not. But it, I, if I'm the Warriors, I'm like, hold on, I, we're considering track records and suspicion and suspensions now, right? You mean because, the Lakers? Yeah. No, the Warriors. No, just he's saying, oh, I see what you're saying. Because Draymond got suspended, and this guy did. Yeah. Because right. the Warriors, the Warriors, like, look, this guy's got a track record, including breaking one of our guys' wrists last year, and he got suspended in last year's playoffs. Um. But like the the way to get Dylan Brooks to pop off usually is to press record. Like you don't have to press his buttons; you just press the record button. Yeah, and, you know, it's... and he wanted the attention. He, you know, look, he was not a big factor in Game Two, but at, uh, an hour after the game, he was all everybody was talking about because he he wanted that. He made it that way. For and sure, I love the bark. It's fun as hell. I am here for the bull stuff. But if you're gonna do that. You can't play like crap the next game. And he was awful. He stopped. Well, forget, forget that. Like if you're, you could have a bad game. What you can't do is yap away and then go, oh, I'm good. And like run off and not say anything. Yeah, and then and, the and, next day, then the next day say, oh yeah, you know, the media makes me out to be a villain. Like, no man, the reason people know who you are is because you've created this persona. Like God yeah. bless you for doing it. Brian was on first take the other day. And him and Stephen A are talking about Dylan Brooks for half an hour. Right. Like, there's the only reason Dylan Brooks is on, on He's first take that. anybody's talking about. That's right. So and, and, this comes with it. You have to deal with the good and the bad. That's how it and goes. It's about it. like, you know, the media and the fans have created this whole other persona for him. Dude, the other players, in the, like, you want to talk about his reputation. 
<laughs> ask other players in the league about him. Like his reputation is. Oh man. The Grizzlies won. reputation, not just his. I mean, well, and that and that's so the thing. But, but, but Dylan's reputation also is it's like the chirpy front runner thing is certainly a Grizzlies, the perception of the Grizzlies when you talk to guys around the league. Yes. Dylan's reputation also is that he is a to be polite, borderline dirty player, and borderlines being very polite. Like you heard Donovan Mitchell when when he got yep. cup checked, like he he basically just unloaded. You've heard what Draymond's had to say. Like, that's not media created. That's not. And that's why they threw created. him out of the game. Because even if he, if there wasn't intent on that thing, the referees knew that if they didn't, who knows what would have happened next. Yeah. And, and look, he made it about him and LeBron. He tried to like bait LeBron yep. in this big and, right. battle. Right. And. You know, he he also they had that. kind of been on a run. What was the score? They had gotten it from like 30 down to like 12, 15 or ish or something. Oh yeah, I'm but he's they were down 26 at the end of the first quarter, which was the largest first quarter deficit in NBA playoff history. And by the way, wow. you know what? You know what? There's a couple things like the, the, the bigger Dylan Brooks picture is. What's one reason that the Grizzlies stunk so bad in the first quarter? Because the Lakers are, are giving him email invitations, you know. Well, they're treating him like the Knicks are treating the Cavs small forward. 100%. Like, hey, let this guy shoot. We don't, we're not worried about him making any shots. And if, and he, so he, if was, he shoots them, good for us. He was three of 13 in 19 minutes. And it's funny. One of, the, I think he was only made one three. The one three he made, I thought was the like the one bad shot he took. The rest of them were wide open because that's the design of the defense. Let Dylan Brooks shoot. Please, Dylan Brooks, shoot. And so we've talked about his awful shot selection a lot. This wasn't an awful shot selection. It's just awful shooting. Um, and like it is at a, it's been at a point for a while now. They tried to upgrade at the trade deadline. They threw four picks at the Nets trying to get Macau Bridges. They really weren't able to get the Raptors in serious conversations, but they they would have given up a few picks to get OG and an OB. They've tried to move on from Dylan Brooks already. It's this thing. I don't know if Dylan Brooks is on this team after this series. We'll see if the Grizzlies can come back and win it. I don't know. I certainly don't know if he's on this, this team uh, after free agency this summer, but the problem is if he's not, who's guarding all the best players on the other, you know, who's guarding all the stars on the other teams. Yeah, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I talked to these assistant coaches and personnel guys and asked their opinion on who I should put on my all-defensive team, four or five guys said mm -hmm. Dylan Brooks, even though I can't stand him, Dylan Brooks. Some awesome version of that. That's why, awesome why I made it. Players. Yeah, that's why I made it on my second team, too. And Which is why and they're look, probably going to have to seriously consider resigning him. Just, well, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, they got uh, well, they still got, they still got, they have got the Warriors pick next year as well. They've got all their own picks. They've been aggressive trying to get that. You know, not just a, a, a defensive stopper wing who can also do something like, you know, I'll give you like, look, the Nets are loaded with wings. They're not giving up bridges. Sounds like they're not going to let Cam Johnson go. Could you get Dorian Finney-Smith for a pick? That, you know, that that would make sense. Something like that. Um, but if they're letting Dylan Brooks go, they absolutely have to get a really, Nobody really back. good defensive wing player. Like yeah. they can they can let him go in free agency. They just have to figure out how to replace him. And well, like they trust me, they put a lot of thought into that. So let me ask you this, McMahon. Uh, 
most importantly for where this series is, 2-1 right now, uh, John Morant came back and he had 45. Now, I know that a lot of those points came in garbage time at the end, but like mm-hmm. him showing that he can do that and function yeah. with that right hand was important. So what do you make of the way Ja played? Also, Bain didn't shoot the ball that poorly for the first time in a while, I think. Um, what do you make of the way Ja played? Well, look, Ja's obviously feeling good. Uh, he, he was strangely like happy after that game. Um, but, you know, he has confidence in the hand. He tried to dunk it with his right hand, got fouled, talked about that today. He said he really wanted to throw it down. Um, certainly any doubts, any, you know, concerns about whether he could play with that hand, which were in his head, have been eliminated. Um, Job mentioned both post-game and today, we won the last three quarters, which I thought was kind of a weird, like, dude, they don't hand out ribbons for that. Like, you got your <laughs> ass kicked in historic fashion in the first quarter. Well, they, their goal in L.A. is to split. So. Right. But, uh, you know, and, and I guess what he's trying to say is, hey, like, we can compete with this team. Like, not that there's, yeah. I, I don't believe in game to game momentum. Certainly, you can't, I don't believe in creating momentum when you lose a game. But his point is basically, we were so bad in the first quarter, we couldn't come back from it, but we can play with these guys. Um, now, the, the fourth quarter, 22 straight points at one point for Ja. I just obviously just took it over. And for a guy with a bad hand <laughs> who's not known as a jump shooter, was shooting the hell out of the ball, but he, you know, he's attacking. Like, I mean, he, they just couldn't stop him. Uh, I do think it's notable that Ja got rolling offensively once Dylan was taking a shower. The spacing changed. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Taylor Jenkins opts for spacing over defense. Which would be Luke Kennard? Luke Kennard, like, you know, even though, even when Kennard's not getting up a bunch of shots, you damn sure are not giving that guy space. Like, if he's spotted up, <laughs> you, you're going to make sure you can get out to him because he led the league in, in three-point percentage the last couple of years. Now, the drop-off defensively from Dylan Brooks to Luke Kennard <laughs> is, oh, right. my goodness. Like, it is a cliff. But you know, it, it, but the shooting is is the other way too, you know. Well, so. you know what? In this series, I don't. The Lakers can't really score, right? They're not going to put up a buck thirty five in a game. So right. to me, you've got to get enough offense to win. So I would be leaning into offense if I was Memphis. I would do that. Like that to me, the thing to take away from that game. I mean, obviously the Lakers completely outplayed the Grizzlies and won the game. But I I went into the series thinking John Morant was going to be able to attack the Lakers like that, maybe not score 22 straight points, right. but be able to get what he wanted because they don't have anybody to guard him. No. And f- for him to get on a run like that, I thought was big confidence-wise going forward for him. And, you know, I would be leaning into playing Luke Kennard. Taylor Jenkins has not proven willing to do this in the past. He rode with Dylan Brooks insanely last year and cost mm-hmm. them, in my opinion, the series against the Warriors. Who knows how the playoffs would have went if they had just sat Dylan Brooks down when he was shooting them out of games. And then, so we'll see uh, if he does though- it this time. It's really easy for us to sit here and say, pull the plug on Dylan Brooks. You know, you got to cut his minutes. You got to put him on the bench. We don't have to deal with that. We don't have to deal with I know. You know 
I mean, it's hard to do as a coach. You don't have to deal with the dynamics of the personality. Oh, and for sure. I, I, you know, Draymond Green, obviously, the way he handled uh, coming off the bench, uh, a reduced role, still played 31 minutes, but a, a reduced role. You know, he says he suggested it. He certainly made it clear that, hey, you know what? I'm not complaining about it. I'm buying into it. If that's what they want me to do, I'm cool with it. I'm not going to put words in Dylan Brooks' mouth, but uh, I, I I would understand the concern from the coach's perspective about how that might go over. Hmm. Wow. All right. A, well, I mean, game, a, game four it, Monday I, night. Go ahead. I mean, no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, that's true, but at some point you are trying to win games. And, like, you know, it's – we saw this last year in the playoffs. Taylor mm-hmm. Jenkins had DeAnthony Melton. He had other guys he could have gone to. He didn't do it. Grizzlies lost. Like you said, it was very clear when he left the court, the spacing changed. Things looked different. I would think there needs to be a quicker hook personally, but like you said, it's easy to say that. You see how the Warriors handled Draymond Green. See how the Grizzlies handled that, uh, Dylan Brooks. These situations are not right. always easy to deal with, but you know, from between Dylan Brooks complaining, John Moran has made comments about people being unfair to the Grizzlies when he's the one who announced that yeah. we're fine in the West. Like, the Grizzlies are heading well, down a path really quick of being a team that just chirps a lot and doesn't win anything. There's a lot. Like, there's been a lot of woe is me out of the Grizzlies. And, uh, and it's, yeah, you it's, can't. It's, it's like, the same thing as the Dylan Brooks thing. I love the chatter. It's great. Right. But if you're going to chatter, then you got to take the incoming when it doesn't go well and not say, oh, well, everybody's being mean. Yeah. And like, look, if they go from fine in the West to out in the first round, like they will be a punchline. Yeah, that's just no a question matter. They have yeah. set themselves up where there's a lot of people around the league. And I'm not just talking about fans. I'm talking about executives, coaches, players, you know, on, on down. So a lot of people around the league who would love to see the Grizzlies get bounced in the first round. All right. Well, they need to split in L.A. and jaw looked good. I think that's relevant as we go into Monday night. Um, before we go. I mean, I'm guilty of this because we waited until an hour into this to talk about this, but there's two pretty significant injuries in the Eastern Conference right now mm. that could really affect the outcome. One, Giannis has not been able to play in two and a half games since he fell on his lower back. Um, it Things were trending like it looked like he was going to be able to play in game three on Saturday night, then he wasn't, and I don't think he was even close to playing. Yeah. He didn't warm up before the game, I, and so – He's there's not much of an update going into game four, but like, hello. Th- I mean, I don't, this is a must win game for Milwaukee. Must Milwaukee's win. Milwaukee's have to the, win. The number one seed and the clear favorite to win the title is only down two one in the series. And the, the, the best player in the universe has not played in two and a half games. And his status is, I think he's questionable for game four. I'm going to look it up right now while we're talking, but yeah, it's certainly, uh, yeah. certainly well, a tricky kind of, situation. I don't want to parse words too much. He is questionable officially as of now. I don't want to parse words too much, but when Mike Budenholzer was asked about it, he said, well, sometimes recoveries from this are nonlinear. Hmm. I'm just like, so. I mean, lower backs. Oof. Well, especially for a guy like Giannis, who's taken a pounding and is a super physical player. Like it's, that's a tricky thing. And it like explosiveness is obviously a massive part of his game. It's not like he's beating you with a jump shot. He's beating you by, you know, attacking the basket and, Blowing by people and jumping over people and going through people. Oh, meanwhile, the Heat are losing guys left and right. They lost Tyler Hero for the series. Terrible injury to Victor Oladipo. Not that Oladipo was carrying yeah. them by any stretch, but 
you know, you don't know what you're going to need from somebody. Um, Jimmy Butler left early, even though they were ahead. Jimmy Butler left early with a glute He's got a gluteus, gluteus bruise. He, he's, got what I call, he's got what I call a bond temps, a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to have pretty to sure, issue an apology sure. for that next week. No, All right, I'm so, pretty I'll sure. go ahead and do it now. Sorry, bond temps. You're not sorry. <laughs> uh, pretty sure Jimmy will be out there in game four. Feel confident Me too. about that. So I don't have to say other than we know these Giannis, that Giannis doesn't miss games lightly and that these games matter a lot and he's mm. missed it. And um, I mean, it's that announcement about his availability is enormous on, on Monday. Yeah. Um, and then the well, other like there's people, there's people in New York who are already going, Oh man, you know, the Knicks, the, the Knicks, they don't reseed the playoffs. Right. I said, well, let's just relax. here, people. Let's <laughs> Close relax. Your series and see what That's happens. right. That's right. Not with and the Knicks to be clear. I'm just talking about crazy fans. The Knicks aren't saying that. Right? Yeah. Well, the Knicks fans, fans haven't had much experience advancing in the playoffs. <laughs> versus Jimmy would be, it would be pretty interesting. Oh God. That would but, be a trip. Um, the yeah. other thing is we talked about Embiid in the last pod, Doc Rivers saying that he's, what do you say? Bon Temps, he's less than 50. What do you say? Well, this was, not he got hurt in game three and doc i think said he was joel said he was fine but then he didn't play in game four he has a knee sprain doc river said he believes he's 50 percent at best to play in game one of the eastern conference semifinals and the Sixers are rooting really hard mm. for the atlanta hawks because if they got if the hawks get a win and got a win in game four which they did not or got a win in game five and push that series to six games, the conference finals, the conference semifinals would not start until Monday. Well, now that Boston won game four and afterward, DeJounte Murray looked Oof. to get in, appeared to get into it with one of the referees, appeared to bump him. Flat out bumped him. Seems like that, you know, the reported tonight the league is investigating that. Seems like it, there's at least a decent chance he will not be participating in game five. That would certainly increase the chances of the Celtics winning that game. If they win that game, game one of the conference semifinals with the Sixers starts Saturday. And, you know, the Sixers were really hoping to get yeah. Joel a couple extra days on that knee. You know, we'll see where things sit later in the week. Um, but, you know, Sixers to beat the Celtics are going to need Joel at his best. And unfortunately, after this, you know, latest kind of fluky play. He might not be at his best if he's out there against the Celtics. Celtics look pretty good to me in this game. I know it wasn't, um, they're not playing as cleanly and as dominantly as they uh, were uh, earlier this season, but. Um, well, the interesting thing about that game is they started Derek white and they're playing small and having Robert Williams come off the bench. And, <laughs> and he came and, off the bench all right. He came off the bench and went for 13 and 15. Yes. And I, to me, when they play the Sixers, I'll be very curious to see whether they continue to play small. Because if I was Boston, especially with Joel with this knee, I'd be playing Derek White, who's arguably been their second best player for a lot of the season, at worst, their third best player. Um, he's been awesome. Um, I would... I would be having him out there. I'd be playing small. I'd be shooting threes. And I'd be trying to make Joel move around as much as possible. Because mm -hmm. when Robert Williams is out there, as good as he is, it gives somebody Joel can lean on in the post and not have to 
be scrambling out the three-point shooters. And that's going to be one of many chess matches to watch in that series. And it seems like from the jump, they've just decided we're going to play small and that's how we're going to play. Cause it's not like, I mean, Atlanta's rolling out there with John Collins and Clint Capella. It's not like they couldn't have Robert Williams starting if they wanted to. So to me, this is preparation for what's to come in this series with Philly. Yeah. And those health things are just, are just huge. And I, and I, and I hate how much health is already playing such a role. I mean, the series I've been half covering, I'm going back to Phoenix tomorrow. Um, like the Clippers, the most important thing that happened in the series are injury updates. I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that so much, but it's just it's where we're at. Um, so we'll see what happens. The injury report on uh, the Bucks game is going to be massive. There's a ton of people paying attention to that. Um, I don't think it's, it's in the conversation as much as it should be, but well, and, we'll and look, even if Giannis doesn't go, it, it's not like the Bucks can't win a game without him. I mean, they did blow out the heat without him. Um, but well, to your point though, Brian, people have just sort of, the series has been sort of relegated to third world status. It's been on NBA TV. People haven't really been watching it. You know, there was the whole silliness with Joel with the play the other day. There was the Draymond stuff. There's been all, there's the Kawhi. There's been all this other stuff going on and the mm-hmm. Bucks being down to one with Giannis's status uncertain has kind of just floated along under underneath it all because people just are like, Oh, well, the bucks are going to be in the second round and right. They'll be fine. And now like if he wait, if we wake up on Monday and he is unable to play all of a sudden team that pretty was pretty clearly the favorites to win the title could be in a interesting spot. Oh boy. Okay. We'll see how that goes. All right. Um, thanks for listening to the Collective Podcast. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon. Thank you to Jackson for staying up real late. It is now after 1.30 a.m. on the East Coast. So we got to go and we will talk to you in a couple of days. Adios, amigos.